this is PJ Souls, and you are totally listening to Phantasm Podcast. Keep listening. Motion picture about the most terrifying night of the year, starring Donald Pleasance. I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Halloween, the night he came home. Rated R. All right, all right, come on, where's my beer? The wildest girl in rock and roll high school. I've done more detentions than anyone in the school history. The only girl I ever dream about tonight is Rip. How about a cheerleader? Nice set of pom-poms. Tom wants Rip, but Rip wants to live a rock and roll fantasy with her favorite group, the Ramones. We are going to destroy their music. The students rock and wreck the school at rock and roll high school. Rated PG. All right, look at the general's refrigerator long enough. Let's go. Corey Gorkrist here at the Phantasm Podcast. We are live at Days of the Dead Louisville, and we are here with a horror icon, PJ Souls. How are you? I'm totally fine. <laughs> totally. And uh, well, we're nearing the, the last day, unfortunately. Everyone's tired, hungover, ready to go home. Speak for yourself. <laughs> Ready to maybe not go home. Um, so how was the weekend for you overall? Oh, it was awesome. Everybody here was great. It's always nice when it's pouring rain, as long as the people have gotten here by Friday. It seems to be... Uh, they don't you know, smell like... Well, it's just nice because they've made it. Yeah. They're hunkered down for the weekend, and then it's fun to look out the windows. It kind of adds to the, you know, the ambiance the of the horror, horror theme, convention. Yeah, sure. Well, that's a good way to look at it, too, yeah. yeah. Um, I had a very fun weekend as well, and uh, actually stayed pretty sober this time around, which is good. Um, <laughs> usually I don't, I go pretty overboard, but a little more controlled this t- this year. As we, we went to the Days of the Dead a, a couple months back, so I guess I got it all out of my system already. All right. Is this a confessional? Yeah. <laughs> Just had to let you know. Um if you will, we'll talk a little bit about you know your career and everything. And um, so you were born in Germany, if I'm not mistaken, correct? I was. Yeah, my father was from Rotterdam, Holland, and my mother from New Jersey. And her first husband had been uh, killed in World War II. Oh, and wow. She went over to help with the restoration efforts in Germany and to see where they had buried her first husband. And then came upon my dad, who had been working with the Dutch underground and captured and sent to a work camp in Germany. And uh, General Patton opened the gates to his freedom, and uh, he was kind of rehabilitated at an army base, the same one that my mother was at, and that was uh, an amazing uh, set of circumstances that led to the birth of me. <laughs> that's remarkable, to say <laughs> I know, the least. It wow. Is. <laughs> it took all that. Wow, that's so amazing. So I always have to thank her first husband, Mark, and uh, unfortunately yeah, he lost his life, but I gained one. So. <laughs> wow, that's insane. 
Um, and you went to school in Brussels. Right? I did. Well, uh, after Germany, then uh, my mom had been working for a company, AIU, that's now AIG, but it right. started in Germany and, uh, as an insurance company insuring American officers and companies overseas. And she got my dad a job. Of course, he speaks six languages, having been from Holland. Unbelievable. And then we moved to Morocco, um, uh, to Casablanca. There you go. And, uh, so I went to kindergarten, first and second grade in the very exotic uh, Morocco, which uh, I have many memories from. My right. first, my first uh, memory of eating out was sitting on cushions and eating with my fingers, which of course, as a <laughs> child, was wow, this is fun, yeah. better than home. This is what eating out means. All right. <laughs> this and is then, the proper way, guys. Yeah, and then we moved to uh, Maracaibo, Venezuela. So oh. in, in Morocco, I learned French, and then I learned Spanish in How old Venezuela. So, uh, well, in uh, Morocco, uh, I was five, six, and seven, and wow. then I was eight to 14 in Maracaibo, and uh, was wonderful. Uh, we lived uh, certainly not in Caracas. That would would probably have been a different experience. But right. And then um, we moved briefly back to New Jersey for a year while my dad worked down in New York City, and then we moved to Brussels, where I went to the International School of Brussels for high school, and then every two weeks of the month, he would work in Algeria, so I'm grateful to him that he didn't move us there, but he, wow. he put us in, uh, in Brussels, and I had a wonderful time there, so... And being born, you know, in Europe and then coming to America, what was it? What was it like? Like the differences, like coming from there. Well, to it was. I know, being that my mother was American and uh, my father was liberated by General Patton, everything American was God. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so I was raised with America's the best, which yeah. it is, and so I'm happy about that. Right, so right. of course, all I wanted to do was be in America. So but every four years, whenever we would transfer from continent to country. Um, we would come back to New York City, and we'd spend two glorious months in the city, and I'd uh, be ha- hanging out in Central Park. The, the downside was we had all kinds of uh, dental visits, and yeah. I had probably had about 15 shots, so my arms were <laughs> oh, always God. sore for the shots that you had to get yeah. for the next country, <laughs> immunizations. But, uh, man, I just loved uh, that time in the city, and it was also pretty much my first exposure to television and all those yeah. other countries really you know not a lot of tv i, I know uh, you know my boyfriend talks about all these shows oh yeah. did you watch uh, you know mr ed and i go no <laughs> there was no mr ed in morocco you don't understand yeah, we, we watch a talking horse here <laughs> yeah, in America. venezuela no yeah. every show was in spanish you don't get it <laughs> So at 3 o'clock in the morning in the hotel, I was always turning on the TV and uh, ha- having it as low as possible and uh, watching Shirley Temple movies and, so, and Haley Mills. And so that was kind of the beginning of, of, of looking at movies and being ex- uh, you know, just excruciatingly delighted by them. So. Right. And then in Brussels, again, no TV. I think there was a channel, How to Use the Telephone, and we used to sit there wow. and just laugh. <laughs> I'd watch that now and it would be entertaining. That's something where you can look back on and be like, I want to watch that again. Yeah, well, it's funny because it was one of our favorite shows, and then it's funny that in Halloween I get strangled by the telephone, so that was the improper yeah, use of a irony, telephone. You know. but And they didn't know about the telephone part. 
That was just kind of <laughs> ironic that it happened. That's amazing. So, and then, of course, uh, Sears Roebuck, that giant big uh, catalog was our Bible and oh, yeah. sat on the coffee table, and that was where <laughs> you would choose your Christmas gifts. And, uh, and this my isn't mother. This is an ordinary magazine. That thing is like actually oh, the size of a Bible. It yeah. is the size of a, of a Yellow Pages <laughs> in, a, in, a, in the United States. But uh, my mother was very smart. She always got a job since she started as a secretary, and uh, she always got a job with the American military overseas, oh, wow. and so we always had access to PX and commissary. And I can't tell you once a month that we would go to the Army base, whatever country we're in, and go through those gates, and my mother would show her badge, and right. we would stock up on all things American, and it just, <laughs> I, I mean, really, it was a thrill. So <laughs> the MVP experience over there. <laughs> and then we'll talk about, um, you know, you auditioned for the role of, of Princess Leia, which I had no idea that you did that. That's pretty well, cool. Well, I didn't know I did it either. Yeah. I mean, it really, you know, <laughs> you guys know Star Wars. We all know it now. But yeah. at the time, it was George Lucas, oh, who was he? Yeah. Brian De Palma, who is he? Right. Uh, sitting behind one desk. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, they were looking over for three days all the teenagers in L.A. And I happened to... You know, be in that line because right. I had just moved to LA two weeks ago from New York City. Yep. And uh, and then when I walked in, I was wearing my red baseball hat, and mm. uh, Brian De Palma looked at George and said, "I'm going to put her on my list." And George kind of shrugged his shoulders and said, "Okay." So <laughs> he didn't say, "Oh, you're missing out on this amazing, you know, yeah. movie." But so we didn't know. But I was happy to be put on the list. And yeah, three cool. uh, auditions later, I got the part, and I actually auditioned for Nancy Allen's role. Right. But uh, Brian liked me so much. He kind of created the role of Norma. Norma had one line from, and has uh, Carrie, right? from Carrie and uh, has one line. Uh, <laughs> thanks a lot, uh, thanks yeah. a lot, Carrie, when she misses the ball in the opening scene of the volleyball game. And yeah. uh, from there, he just thought, I think he loved my red hat. So he yeah. kept shoving me <laughs> next to Nancy Allen and saying, "You're her best friend. Right. You do whatever she wants. You do her bidding. She says, plug it up. You say, plug it up." Right. <laughs> And what was it like working with Brian De Palma? Um, well, it was my first experience. I had done um, a, um, a, a soap opera in New York City for a year. Okay. Days of Our Lives. And so I oh, had wow. some idea. It's a big and, one, yeah. And I had done many, many commercials. I had been modeling. I lived five years in New York City right. after uh, coming there from college. And when my parents moved to Istanbul, I didn't want to go. They begged me to go to Roberts College in, in Istanbul. And I said, please let me live in the United <laughs> States. I'm 18 now. Right. So they, they relented. And uh, But in any event, um, he was uh, very quiet. Uh, but I was extremely impressed uh, with the three auditions that I did have that were in his apartment with um, about 12 other cast members that all ended up getting in the movie sure. um, uh, his all his walls in his apartment were covered with the eight by ten storyboards of every scene wow. and I thought wow this is how you make a movie I have to draw it first <laughs> but that was just him and so he's very fastidious knew exactly what he wanted right the visual obviously was very important to him and as oh, yeah. far as the actors he didn't talk to you a lot but he gave you free reign so especially me oh, yeah. since I was a kind of uh, you know a, a, a character that wasn't in the book 
And so anything I want to do, and, and as long as it was cut and you looked at him and he was smiling, yeah, and you knew I'll, I'll bet a sinister yeah. smile, and you knew that, okay, we we're moving on and that was good. Not at that point, did you like having the free roam or did you kind of want a little bit of direction? No, I like, no, since like, I was yeah, new, I was like, yeah, all right, this is the way it is, okay. Right. Doesn't work that way in television, however, as I found out. Really? I did a couple of... Uh, Shows Simon Simon Airwolf, uh, Knight Rider, man, those directors. Awesome. Uh, you missed the. You didn't say the. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we'll take it again. I'll say the. Sorry. Very specific. <laughs> wow. And what was it like working with uh, Travolta and Sissy Spacek? Travolta was great. Um, I did my screen test with him. So, wow, like I said, awesome. I auditioned for that scene in the truck for Nancy Allen's part, and uh, <laughs> we had three weekends where we. Uh, you know, practiced, and he was really fun, a great guy. Sissy was amazing. I just loved her, and uh, but she made it very clear from day one she wasn't going to hang out with us as much as she wanted to yeah. because she wanted to keep that distance and to feel alienated. So, but she, wow. but yeah. it, it lasted till about the week before wrap, and then she goes, "I can't take it anymore. You guys are having so much fun. Come on, come on, hang out with me." <laughs> so it's crazy what they do to get in a character, you know. It's, uh... Yeah, well, she really needed to feel that alienation. So. Wow. It worked. You can see it in the film. Yes. Oh, was she happening. was great. I never had any scenes with Piper Laurie, and I never actually saw her being filmed, but I thought she really was the glue for that movie. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, she was the crazy mother we yeah. were all blessed to not have. I remember that more than the, the Carrie stuff, honestly. Exactly. The mom is what made it right. a yeah. thriller and made it really she suspenseful. Was amazing. And I liked it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's great. <laughs> Uh, did you ever get to meet Stephen King? No, he never came to the set, but actually the writer who wrote the script that I can't even think of his name, he was there on the first day, and from what I understand, uh, Brian banned him from the set after that first day. I wow. don't know what happened, or he just didn't want him around. He was like, out. But Steven Spielberg, who again, like Lucas and De Palma, that first audition, nobody knew him. Yeah. And he was a pal of De Palma's, and he hung around a lot, and he asked wow. all of us girls out, except Sissy. She was married to Jack Fisk, who was the set decorator, <laughs> who did a great job. Right. But, uh, and we all said no, except for Amy Irving. So... <laughs> And there you go, $100,000 divorce settlement later. PJ denied <laughs> Steven Spielberg, so there you go. Well, That's a nice tidbit. Even if he had been the Steven Spielberg, I probably would have said no. It's not, not my kind of guy. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Sorry, Steven. Not a fan of his... Uh, Sorry, Steven. Not a fan of his green hat. Maybe if he had the red hat. He just talked too much. Did it? <laughs> it's all about him. Yeah. <laughs> He's always in his director's chair, and he's always talking about himself. Well, he kept talking about all these things he wanted to do, and like, oh, right, another dreamer here. (laughs) Sure, you're going to make it big in movies. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, you and your vision. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Then we'll move on to probably (laughs) your most iconic role. Psychotic? Oh, iconic. Iconic role. I'd say psychotic. Not yet. Um... be John Carpenter's Halloween, where you were Linda Vanderklok, the infamous final kill of the film. Um, talk about uh, how that came about and working with John. And 
Yeah, well, that was uh, an audition, although John told me later that he had seen me in Carrie, mm-hmm. so he had kind of had his eye on me. He said that he liked the way you said totally. Is that true? Yes, I read. Uh, very unusual in those days, or any days, to read with the director and just meet with the director first right. audition, but I did, and I uh, read with him, and he said, uh, uh, you got the part if you want it, and I go, well, yes, and... and <laughs> Uh, and I said, what made you think of me? And he, what made, and he said, well, you're the only one that read totally the right way because I've seen everybody. I said, well, how else would you have said it? And he goes, well, that's why I'm giving you the part. <laughs> anyway, he denies that. He said that didn't happen. I said, yes, it did, John. You just don't remember. And then he had me stay in and choose my boyfriend. And uh, so that was fun. So we picked out Bob. And uh, there were three guys out there. And so that was fun, yeah. What were some uh, experiences you take from that film that you? Um, well, it was vastly different from De Palma's. Uh, no storyboards in the living room, and then uh, just uh, the fact that he and Deborah Hill and even Dean Cundy included the DP, director of photography. Right. Um, they were very collaborative and always uh, the three heads together, hush hush talking. It was right. a very quiet, mellow set. Again, uh, it, the same as Brian De Palma, free reign for any kind of ad lib, especially my bedroom scene. Um, you know, uh, because that wasn't really scripted. It was, you know, shape comes back up and strangles Linda. So, okay, he wanted some nudity, but he didn't want to push it, whatever <laughs> right. you're comfortable with. And so I came up with the sheets down, see anything you like, because he said, you just need to get Bob back into bed with you, but he's not coming, and you're frustrated, <laughs> and you go call Lori. Yeah. So that was kind of the guiding. So, you know, and it, since it was low budget and only a three-week shoot, one or two takes, so he was very happy that that worked out so smoothly. And, awesome. Uh, I just love working with them. It was really a very collaborative set, a very fun set, lots of laughing, no stress, no tension. You know, De Palma kind of had it like he had one of those director's chairs that was really high up. That's what I always envision with directors. I just think they're like playing around like a crane with a chair on it. Well, he loved cranes, of course, (laughs) the prom scene. It's like a cherry picker. Yes, and for him it was all about the visual and the shots. And he was, you know, I think that was about his third film at that point, uh, De Palma. So he was really into wanting to get those uh, shots. But but obviously Carpenter too, and that's why he was friends with Garrett Brown, the Steadicam operator. So he made use of that, which was cutting edge at the time, walking down the sidewalk with this floating camera it was amazing and uh, but it was about efficiency and how can we get you know how can we get this scene done uh, in, in one take yeah <laughs> now uh, did you take your experiences from Carrie and into Halloween or did you play it differently because it was a different vibe to the to the production well, um, I, I knew I wanted to make the two characters different, so right. definitely Norma was more naive, and uh, Nancy Allen's Chris was more like what Linda would have been, so right. I drew kind of from that and said, okay, I'm going to play Chris this time, because she's the girl with the boyfriend, and yeah. I get to be in bed like she was with Travolta <laughs> in the truck, so, right. so I knew that was going to be different, uh, and I just wanted a... Uh, 
just a, again, like Carrie, I guess, sort of, a, uh, I wanted a bright light to kind of shine through and to have a lot of energy on the on the screen, you know. So I would stand out so I could get another part. Right. <laughs> that was my guiding principle. <laughs> Let's get another role out of this because who knows where this movie's going. Right. <laughs> and how crazy is it to look back like, for the 40 years later and, and it's still at it's, the top of everything. it blows my mind I'm sitting here at these conventions and I'm always just astounded that people still even you know I mean not only do they know these movies they love these movies yeah. and uh, and their kids love these movies and the teenagers love these movies so never ever would have thought in a million years but who was thinking of that in your 20s you're only thinking of oh gosh I, I need to get another job I hope I can make it as an actress so right a, a delightful turnout all these years later and of course when that's happening when you're actually filming this you don't really think that Oh, 40 God. years from now you know no, you're thinking you're thinking in the moment and like this is great to- yeah and- just in the moment and totally oh god i don't want to blow it i hope i remember <laughs> my lines i hope he likes me i hope yeah. i look good on tv i hope my hair is good <laughs> i hope i say totally right on film and not right. just in the audition. totally i wasn't worried about it <laughs> and uh yeah, it's a great film, and I think it resonates because you can tell that it was fun creating it because it brings it out. Yes, with the cast itself. I, I definitely think it was a, a, like Tony Moran said on the panel the other day, a perfect storm, including the music that I had no idea John was going to do. So at the cast and crew screening, when I saw the movie for the first time and the credits came on and and that music, I'm like, what is that? And it was just the icing on the cake, and I went, wow, yeah. this is really good. I hope people see it <laughs> so I figured they were going to pull it out at Halloween right. but I certainly didn't think like next year 40th anniversary wow yeah. working with Dean Cundy on uh, Rock and Roll High School I know the first day of shooting uh, I show up and he looks at me and goes what are you doing here I go what are you doing here <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't even know you were so, working on the project no wow. I didn't but it was very exciting and I knew that I was in good hands because uh you know, I, I thought he did a great job in Halloween, so I, I told the director, Alan Arkish, I said, oh, my God, this guy's the best. He goes, I know, I know. So, luckily, the, you know, the prices hadn't gone up yet. These guys were still available because he was amazing, and I thought he filmed, you know, Rock and Roll High School, and it was right. awesome. And, and Alan Arkish had been cutting trailers for Roger Corman, so to him, for him, every scene was like a trailer, so to get the most in, yeah, most yeah. impact, and I just sock it to it you know so I it was just exciting and uh what about rocking uh rocking rocking with Roger Corman well yeah Roger never came <laughs> to the set luckily because Alan Arkish was already under the gun and nervous right. because he kind of begged 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 for a year to get his chance to do this movie and he kind of promised girls gym you know lots of Lots of girls dancing in short shorts and stuff like that. First right. it was called Disco High, so Roger kind of went along <laughs> oh, yeah, with that Yeah, there's a premise. lot of different names for it. I know, so and they luckily, finally got to rock and roll high school. Yeah, and luckily Alan had a really uh, clear vision, and uh, I just think it's the Ramones' Hard Day's Night. And I oh. love, love, it's my favorite movie that I did. I love the character of Riff Randall once again. Oh, yeah. a, a, Very iconic. An American teenager that yep. I long to be. And, and that's I, what they wanted, right? Yeah. They wanted yes. it to be like an American teenage oh, kid movie about music. And, absolutely. Uh, so things I, I knew little about, but just kind of brought out and, and all my... Uh, 
wishes and dreams of, of what, uh, what I thought I wanted my childhood to have been like. So again, it's kind of weird that I grew up in all these foreign countries, and so it was sort of just a perfect situation that you got somebody in those lead roles that just wanted to make the most of that American iconic right. uh, girl in high school. That's yeah, a beautiful film. Uh, yes. I know a lot of friends who are huge fans of the Ramones, so they love that movie. And uh, you were telling me that uh, Marky was next to you at a convention, and that's the first time you had talked to him, like, ever. <laughs> yes, I saw him a couple of times. The first time he didn't say much at the first convention. He was only selling headshots and a drumstick, draw, wow. signed drumsticks. And I'm like, Marky, you got to have more than this. We <laughs> <laughs> have pictures of the Ramones. What's going right. on? And people wanted to take pictures of us together. So sure. on subsequent conventions, they would always put us together, and people would get pictures people of the two of us together. And stuff. It's crazy yeah, and then he realized, you know, more and more. So the last time I saw him at Chiller Theater in New Jersey, oh my gosh, he had a banner behind him from The Simpsons. I guess yeah, the time that go. the <laughs> that the Ramones were on The Simpsons, which right. is you know what a nice uh, tribute was that. Sure. And uh, selling his pasta sauce, and uh, <laughs> pasta uh, people sauce. were bringing all kinds of stuff for us to right. sign. One guy brought a model of a pink Cadillac, which I thought was yeah, darling, awesome. and we both signed it and took pictures. And, oh yeah. And now he just talks nonstop. So I'm like. Oh, I'm so glad to see that you've changed. <laughs> He's still touring. He does a radio yeah. show. He is he is really alive. It's it's good to see. That's good to embrace your, you know, what yeah. you had previously. Keep doing it. You know, to, Absolutely. They can't do it. Um, He's well beloved. Oh yeah. And honestly, this kind of stuff with Rock and Roll High School, the cult films, and Halloween. It really just gets better over time, and you don't really realize that until you look it's back true. on it. It's you know? true. Well, especially since, you know, I mean, of late, the movies and the music that are coming out of the 2000s, I don't know. It's just, are we, you know, I don't know that not people as good, are so going to look are back. The old yeah, stuff. I mean, really, the 60s, 70s, and even, of course, the 80s. They're just some, it was just some of the most wonderful music and movies uh, to come down the pike. So I think it's nice that the younger generation are really embracing that time period and, uh, you know, keeping it alive. Right. And then uh, Working on Stripes, one of my favorite comedies of all time. <laughs> Me uh, too. <laughs> you know, Ghostbusters is probably my favorite Ivan Reitman film, but Stripes would probably be right after that. Um, now, from you, what, what you were saying before with your military background, how was uh, how did that come into play working on the set of Stripes? Was it kind of um, like a common ground for you, or was it a lot? Well, different? you know, my mother's the one that worked for as a secretary for the military. It was only we were allowed on the ground, so it wasn't like I had military experience. But I obviously knew army bases and had experience in the in the knowledge of what military brats were like. But uh, uh, what I can say about that is the part where we were shooting at the Russians. My dad was so excited. So <laughs> he was like, I saw, I watched the movie with him in a theater. And he's like, go get him, go get him, Pam. Because my name is Pamela Jane, so he'd call me Pam. Right. Go get him, Pam. And so that's the highlight for me of, uh, <laughs> of watching the movie with my dad. But I mean, I had done Private Benjamin before that. Right. And so uh, I had a little bit of idea since I was the perfect 
um, uh, private in that one. I was Private Wanda Winter. I wore a black wig, and I actually wore my same uniform in both movies and boots because you used to get your costumes from Western Costume. And wow. So it was kind of funny that, I mean, they just changed, obviously, the name right. band. But So I don't know. I just had a familiarity with it, and uh, it was just fun. It's a great film, and yeah. you're... you're um, you know, screen presence with Bill Murray is incredible, and it's a lot of a lot of fun. We had a really great time. Uh, he is extremely difficult to work with. He's very moody. I'm sure he wouldn't mind me <laughs> saying this because it's the truth, and he's old enough to know the truth. Uh, but on screen, we both had a connection, especially in the kitchen scene. Right. That, oh, yeah. uh, and I pride myself on I got Bill Murray to actually look at me, look at me in the eyes, and have a tender moment with me. Yeah. And Genuine, I got him to be kind of, uh, you know, out uh, within himself and not a character. And I, I just love that. I love the kitchen scene. It was 3 o'clock in the morning. We were supposed to be outside watching fireworks. It was pouring rain. Ivan said, let's go inside. Bill walked in the kitchen. He's opening the fridge. It's not our house. I'm like, what are you doing? And <laughs> Ivan knew enough to say, bring the camera in here. Stop. And literally, it was two or three takes we did the master shot we did close-ups and he knew bill was just going to take that scene to a special <laughs> place and all i did was Great. follow and it was magic it is magic. that's awesome um well, it's been an honor talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank and, you. Excellent question. It means a lot to us. It was Definitely, fun with, talking uh, to you. my co-host really wanted this to happen because he's Aww. Halloween's his favorite. So, oh, good. Uh, hey, this is PJ Souls, and you are listening to Phantasm Podcast. Keep listening because there's more to come.